Hi, I'm Alex L., and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. (laughs) I'll be sitting down with some phenomenal women to discuss love. I believe we grew distant out of love of some type. Like, I don't want to hurt you. Loss. Really don't know what's going to trigger that feeling of grief in any moment. And a topic very important to my work self-care. Freedom is self-care. It's not about pedicures. It's not about clothing. It's not about trips. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Today on the show, we're sitting down with Yasmin Cheyenne, a spiritual teacher, energy worker, and a friend of mine. We're talking about self-care, the definition of doing the work, and being a woman of color in the wellness space. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. Here is Yasmin's story. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Yes, (laughs) you're in the studio with me. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm really happy to have you in because I want to talk a little bit about energy, um, mindfulness, being a woman of color in the wellness space. So with that being said, before we just dive in, can you let the Hey Girl listeners know who you are and what you do? Sure. I'm Yasmin. I am a spiritual teacher, a writer, a mental health advocate. I work with women, primarily women, on grasping their energy and taking their power back. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of a simple way to say that, but that's essentially what the work is, Mm -hmm. learning how to work and walk through life while doing the work. Yeah. (laughs) I think we should title this episode The Work (laughs) or Doing the Work because that's something that we both talk about a lot. Yeah. So I want to know, by definition for you, what the work is, especially when you're working with clients and you're really trying to get women to find their voice and stand in their power. What does the work look like to you? Yeah. So the number one question I get is, how do I start and what is healing? What is the work? How do I know I'm doing it? Mm -hmm. The work is life. I mean, every step that you take forward, there's going to be something that comes that allows you to go a bit deeper, an an additional invitation. Mm -hmm. So anytime you have a situation come up where you have to, you know, dig deep and figure out how to work through it, how to um, grow from it, Mm -hmm. then you're in the work. That is really, I mean, you and I have our side conversations Mm -hmm. all the time, but I love that you were able to say it on this podcast because I get that question a lot. Like, what is the work, Alex? Mm -hmm. You always are talking about do the work, do the work. Well, what is the work? And like you said, the work is life, right? So it's like the two steps forward and then the 10 steps back (laughs) and everything else kind of in between. There is no arrival point either. And I want to dive into that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because we talk about that as well Um, with the work. Like I'm one of your clients and I remember feeling like there was times in our work where I'm like, I don't want to like, I don't want to do this work. And if especially if I'm not going to arrive someplace. Right. And I think a lot of people get mm, scared that it's like. Hearing that there's no arrival point, it's like, then what's the point of doing the work? So I want you to speak on that a little bit and like how you work through that with your clients and also yourself. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is getting to a place of realizing 
there's never a finishing. You're never you're never done. Um, you don't want to get so wrapped up in digging deep into your past that you don't get to enjoy and live your life. Mm. So the work is not sitting in a room journaling and crying 24 <laughs> seven, but it's being able to go to that place, dig deep and then come out and live your life. It's when the conversations come up, the tough conversations, mm. being present to them and having them. Being able to speak with friends, being able to set those hard boundaries, still love them. Mm. Like, th- that's the work. I think that there's a big difference between feeling like you are caught up in courses and healing and energy work and all of the things mm-hmm. than taking the time to set the space for yourself to really dig in at a specific time each day or each week Mm -hmm. and then continuing to live your life. It's funny when you and I first started working together, one of the things that we talked about, and I hope you're okay with me sharing, but I already did this. (laughs) (laughs) Like, girl, no, I literally just did this. I'm good. Um, The reason why we're doing the work is to be able to be so in touch with ourselves that we can guide ourselves on our path to our purpose. The clearer we are on what we want and what we need, the better we are able to make decisions and set boundaries that are healthy for us and live a life that's in alignment with what we want. Mm -hmm. And not only what we want, but what, you know, our highest selves, the universe, God wants for us. Mm -hmm. So it eliminates the need to check in with your best friend and make sure you're making the right decision. Because when you're doing the work, you can check your intuition is like, girl, you know that this is not the right step. Mm-hmm. You know you're supposed to go left. And because we're humans, you have the choice to decide, you know what, I hear your intuition, I'm going to go right. And that's life. That's the learning. That's that's the work. Being able, and then when you get right, you're like, damn, I knew I should have went left. <laughs> but then you call your spiritual teacher, you call your therapist, you call your homegirl, and you're like, help me figure out why I keep doing this. Why am I in this cycle? And I think I think that's really important to point out, like, me feeling like I already did this and you were like, but if it came up again, Mm -hmm. you probably didn't Mm -hmm. do enough of it. (laughs) And I think that that's where the arrival thing kind of took a stance for me. Mm -hmm. Like I did that. Okay, it's almost like you have like the work is a stack of books. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I want to get to all of these books, but I have to do it one at a time. So then you start reading those books. And as you finish, you put them on the shelf really pretty and they're arranged by color mm-hmm. and they're arranged by size. And then you're like, oh, I want to reread that one. Right. And that one. And that one. And you just take it all back off the shelf and then you have a pile of books again. And I, I feel like for me, that's what my work looks like. Mm-hmm. And when you were able to point out to me like, OK, you thought you did that work. You thought you removed that shame. You thought you silenced whatever that was, but you didn't. And that's OK. And I felt I feel like I almost felt like I had failed. Mm. If that makes sense. No, because I was going to say that's where the self-compassion. That's where your self-care comes in. That's where self-compassion comes in. That's where. Um, the part of the work that's learning to love yourself through the mistakes, learning to love yourself through uh, having, I don't like to call them mistakes. I actually like to call, I like everything as a lesson. Mm, Like mm -hmm. learning through the lessons, loving yourself through the lessons. Mm. Nobody wants to go through two years of therapy and get to a point where they're still dealing with the fact that um, they're calling in codependent relationships. Mm. You're like, okay, 
$25,000 later, what is the deal? Like, I thought I did this. Right. I, I, and I completely get that. But because of the way we're brought up, mm-hmm. the way that the relationships that we have, the things that we believe about ourselves, mm-hmm. that is what causes us to be in these cycles in which we trick we it's almost like you're subconsciously tricking yourself into thinking you're not doing the thing you just found a fancier way to do it Mm. like okay this time I was mindful about the choice that I made he you know I'm talking about a relationship this is not about Alex (laughs) Um, (laughs) he uh you know seems like a better choice Mm. she seems like a better friend Mm. this seems like a better job it's the same job painted up in a different, it's the same thing painted up in a prettier suit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The work is being able to figure out how to get out of that. Yeah. That's that's the arrival. Okay, so then you quit the job and you make a choice to go and do something different. That's the that's where you're arriving. That's to, self-choosing. That's self-choosing. Mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. you arrive at the next step of your work, of your blooming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. B- blooming too. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I think... I think that when we look at it that way, especially with the blooming, you know, Mm -hmm. I love that language Mm -hmm. and like the blooming, the wilt, the rebirth. And then again, because that's that's what the work is as well. Like all these different petals coming Mm -hmm. and then you shedding. Yes. And if you think of it as flowers, some some flowers are going to come back every year. Yeah. The perennials. Yes. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones that, you know, something that it may be a lineage piece like Mm. my mom and my mom's mom and my mom's mom we all dealt with this and now I'm dealing with it Mm. and I'm trying to clear this so my daughter doesn't have to deal with it and her daughter doesn't have to deal with it I feel like those are the ones that come back each year Mm. that those those that work Mm -hmm. and then you have the ones that we plan ourselves so that could have not even been an issue that you could potentially have had to deal with but that's where the intuition checks come in like maybe your intuition said hey that's not the relationship you need to be in. But you said, hey, look, I, I'm I'm still going to choose this. Right. Now you have to work through that. Right. Right. And that's that's the life. And that's the part where it's loving yourself, even though you've made a decision that isn't the outcome that you were looking for. Still being able to love yourself through it and understand we're all human. Yeah. No matter who you follow, no matter who you read, what book you read. Every single person who's out here trying to motivate you, most likely they're speaking to themselves um, mm-hmm. and, and working through it themselves. And most of us have gotten into it because of accountability. Mm. So it's also important, I feel like, to understand that you're not alone in it. When you go on social media and you see everybody looking so amazing, it can feel lonely, mm-hmm. even if you're one of those people yeah. that people are looking at. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that's a really good thing to point out because... A lot of folks have this notion that if someone else, like everyone else has it better than they do, Mm -hmm. or this person, Alex has it figured out. Mm -hmm. Alex has it together. Alex does this. Oprah does this. Whoever else, Brene Brown, Liz Gilbert, Mm -hmm. Maya Angelou when she was living, all these people have Mm -hmm. all these answers. And it's like the answers come with doing the work and the answers come with wisdom, but that doesn't mean we don't have questions about something else. Right. And I think that that's the lesson too. Like, yes, look to the people who support you, lean on their wisdom with what they're sharing, lean on their experiences. Cause what I share is experience. Mm-hmm. It's not even necessarily 
wisdom. It may be wise to some, but I share more from a, like, I'm walking with you point of view. Right. And lean on those people because that's how you feel or that's how you will understand that you're not alone in this. Right. And I think that just comes to the whole, you know, the no arrival point. Like mm-hmm. I am a work in progress and will always be a work in progress because that's what I've committed my life to doing. Right. Changing and evolving. And we're sharing, you know, for myself, I'm sharing from my experience for sure. Mm-hmm. And also just my self-awareness. Yeah. That. Um, when you look at people and you feel that they may have attained or have some type of insight that you don't have, mm-hmm. I think the if you feel that the the first thing you need to check into and remember is remember this person's story that Oprah, all of these amazing people, they've been through some intense things, mm-hmm. no matter how successful success is defined by the person. Mm-hmm. Life is still happening. Yeah. You can't take away that human experience. And I, I, that's something I talk about often, like no matter how much you get into the energy, no matter how much you clear from yourself, no matter how much work you do, the human experience is we are going to make we are going to make mistakes. We're going to do things and go through things that we don't want to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, no one is exempt. No one is exempt. <laughs> no matter how much money you got. Right. How many quote unquote followers you have. Right. How many people come into your church. How many people <laughs> come into your retreats and your seminars. Everybody has their stuff. Yep. And I think that humanizing the work. Mm hmm. The stories. I really like how you said that. Don't forget that person's story. Auntie Oprah ain't just Auntie Oprah without the mess before. And she talks about it. And I think that humanizing people and their experiences unfolds us into a sense of community. Yes. And a sense of belonging. So I I love that point that you made. I love that point. To switch gears a little bit Mm -hmm. and, and kind of make this a bit more personal mm-hmm. how did you get into energy work and also what has it taught you about motherhood because you just had your second baby mm-hmm. um, about being a wife about being a work from home mom like how are you doing the work now that life has changed a bit yeah so I got it you know if I'm honest with myself I probably have been doing this my whole life mm. um, I've always been a child that people turn to for advice. I know that's weird, Mm. but I've always been giving advice, sharing insight. I've always been super aware. Um, I didn't hone that skill until about 2014 when I started doing formal training around doing energy work and and how it works, Um, particularly when I started doing my own work Mm. and I noticed that there were no women of color that I could find that were doing this work. And I found it really hard to be able to, not impossible, but hard to be able to do energy work with someone who doesn't understand the experience of being in a black body. Mm. So that was one of the things that really called to me to to do it because it was something that also came naturally to me as a gift. Just quickly, not to go off topic, but everyone has this gift. So I just wanted to share that. Mm. How I feel like it's impacted me as a wife and a mother, I mean, it's completely different. I'm, I, we were just talking about this at breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm constantly battling with how to introduce what I do to my family. 
because mm. my family doesn't have to choose. Like, this is a choice to be in this. They don't have to choose to show up vulnerably and, and ready for an energy session at right. breakfast. Right. Um, but I'm always in it. So I've learned to just really allow myself to be present to what my family is looking for from me mm. um, as the person and offer what I can that comes through. Your girls are eight years apart. Yes. My girls are 10 years apart. Yeah. We're mothering literally two completely different kids, right? essentially, but that age gap too. Mm -hmm. So what have you learned about your first go around with motherhood and um, balancing to now with the new baby? Wow. I mean... <laughs> That's my answer. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> my oldest... I was uh, 24 and I was on active duty in the, in the Air Force. So it's interesting to me how God just gives you the souls you need at the time you need them. Mm. Like she was the baby I needed at that time. Um, I had a really traumatic birth. So th that kind of started my work without me knowing mm. because that's where my anxiety started and depression and all of those different things. She was such... She's so intuitive. She's just such a caring and sensitive person. Um, that is not who I am mm. innately. Mm -hmm. That's not who I was taught to be. Mm -hmm. So she pushed me um, softly into allowing love in mm. um, and allowing myself to be worthy. And I mean, she had no idea she was doing that, but it really forced me to be present to the fact that I'm worthy of love and I'm worthy of receiving it. Mm -hmm. um, and she deserves it from me. Yeah. Because it was a long time I thought, um, you know, I wish she had a better mom. I wish she had someone who was mm -hmm. able to really give her what she deserves. Mm -hmm. And I was unaware of the fact that I was already doing that. So now the second time around, um, I'm able to... Well, I was able to set up a postpartum period. Yes, and we're going to talk <laughs> about that. So segue into that as you finish. Okay. <laughs> that was completely different than what I had before. Mm -hmm. uh, with with my oldest, I was back to work within five weeks. Wow. Um, I don't think I knew that. Yeah. I was back on active duty and within five weeks. I was working out. I was trying to lose the weight and get in shape, military shape. I actually had to leave the hospital after I gave birth with her about eight hours after I gave birth. What? Yeah, because she was uh, transferred to a NICU, and the mm. NICU was two hours away. So I drove, got out of the hospital, drove to the NICU. I mean, so wow, you want to talk about, like, a completely um, traumatic experience. Mm. Segue to uh, Yara, I kind of took complete control as much as I could of my pregnancy and my labor, hiring a doula, which completely changed the supportive system that mm. I had. Mm. Um my husband was unbelievable um, and having her come into the world and I I ended up sending an email out to everyone who was, you know, offering and saying they want to be present. Mm -hmm. um, and I did this uh, thing called the first 40 days where basically you don't do anything for 40 days postpartum. Um, and I chose this because I really wanted to give myself the time to just seal off from the world, spend time with 
Yara and not have the expectation that anything needed to be done because with privilege, mm. nothing needed to be done. Mm. And I know that that's a privilege choice. Not everybody has the, 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 the choice to take off six weeks doing nothing and right. then take off an additional two months from that. I understand that. Right. Um, but that was what I was blessed to be able to choose for myself this time. Um, and it really just changed my experience of what the what the postpartum period could be in terms of healing mm-hmm. so much. I feel like I was able to heal things in my last birth that I didn't even know were still wounds. Wow. Through just being still. Mm-hmm. Um, just being present to nothing. Not even opening my computer for about five weeks, um, which this is this was hard because I really was like, I could be doing something. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's tons of stuff I could be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you chose to honor that. I chose to honor that. Um, and then I chose to let everyone know that yeah. I was honoring that. Yeah. Which was scary because that's one of the reasons why people don't show up to do the work. What mm-hmm. such and such is going to say about the decisions I'm making for myself who I could potentially lose mm. because I'm choosing myself yeah. over yeah. them. Yeah. Um, we can discern. We know the people that are going to be like, girl, bye. Right. Like, right. you do that over there. And that most definitely happened to me. Mm. Uh, people who were, you know, um, people who just weren't able to meet me. But that was the point. Mm. Like, if you can't meet me where I'm at in this 40-day period, then I'll see you on day 42. Mm. And still love you. But... This is what I'm looking for during this time. And it was scary, but it was a it was um, an opportunity for me to see that I can choose myself and still have the people in my life who may not be choosing the same things I'm choosing. And I think that and still mm-hmm. and still is like major. Mm-hmm. And I think it um, pinpoints the place that we can grow from. Self-choosing and still meeting other people where they are, even if they can't meet us, Mm -hmm. you know, getting quiet and still loving people, even when they can't meet me where I am. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's just, oh, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. It's definitely hard to to do do the both and. Yeah. We want because when I first started doing boundaries or even when I teach boundaries, Mm -hmm. the first thought is, okay, bye, bye, bye. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You gone, you gone and you gone. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yes. Now I feel safe. Mm -hmm. And and those are those barriers we put up. You know, we don't realize that, you know, they're not permeable. People can't reach. If you can't be reached Mm -hmm. and you can't reach out, that's not a boundary in my definition. It's a barrier. Uh, It's a barrier. So you have to be able to be flexible because People are doing the best they can with what they have and with what they know. Right. And so, yes, this doesn't serve me right now. So I'm going to have to love you from the space that you're at. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to come down to the space that you're at. That's the boundary. Mm. Um, And it's the practice. Right. You can't have the boundary in place if you're not practicing it. So the boundary is not 
I blocked your number and I'm not, I mean, sometimes it is, but um, if you're trying to be in relationship with somebody, right, right, I blocked your number and I'm not speaking to you for this 30 days because you can't meet me where I'm at. Mm. You got, if they have the capacity to hear you and have that conversation, you have to have the conversation. You have to set the boundary. You have to share, be vulnerable, show up. Mm. Um, even if rejection comes up. Even if rejection comes mm-hmm. up. They may say, I hear you and I'm not with it. And, and then no you, thank you. And no thank you. And then you have to take that. Mm. But you're honoring your truth. You're mm. honoring what's true to you. And you're also honoring them. Mm. And I think that's really, really important because I was queen of cut you off. And that just didn't serve not only did it not serve myself, but it didn't serve other people around me because I wasn't holding space for anybody. Mm-hmm. I was only holding space for, I was being self-serving, mm-hmm. not giving anybody the chance or the choice to say yes or no. Right. And that's not healthy, especially when I know I was coming from a place at that point in my life where I had confused boundary and barrier Mm -hmm. but also I thought I was self-protecting of course I didn't have that language back then right but I thought I was like okay I'm keeping myself safe but what keeps us safe is speaking up showing up and being vulnerable and then doing what we need to do after having those tough conversations or maybe even relationships dissolve on their own we don't Mm -hmm. even need we don't even need to step in and interfere Interfere. with Mm -hmm. it we just let it be and That's something I had to learn the hard way, the hard way, but it was needed. Yes. I always say like when a relationship, this sounds bad, but when it dissolves on its own, that means you, you've worked that issue. You've, cause energy can cause things to clear up without you even having to say anything. Yeah. I mean, when you release the trigger, when we let go of the hold we have over the situation, you know, when you're somebody does something or says something and you can feel yourself pulling, you're so upset, you constantly need to talk about it, you need to try to work it out, you're writing about it, you're doing all these things. That's how you know, that that's a sign that I use that the boundary I have in place is not, is a, it's a fear-based boundary. Mm. It's a safety boundary. It's not a, I haven't actually worked through this. Oftentimes when I work through it, I find that it actually has nothing to do with the person. The person has triggered something that's for me to work. Mm. That's actually mine. Yeah. Yeah. I still actually probably need to deal with that situation, but more so it's about me. Mm. Um, and so it's really important, I feel, to be able to understand that boundaries is about both. You 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 have to be able to, if you want someone to respect your boundaries, you have to also be able to respect them. Yeah. And yeah. respecting them means they don't have to go to the retreat with you. They don't have to go to therapy. Like, not everybody that you love is going to show up for this work. Not mm-hmm. everybody's interested in coming with. Mm-hmm. And not everybody can. Not everybody can. And it's that's really hard because you first start doing it, you're so excited. Like, yes, everybody's going to be, you know, <laughs> on the right page. We're going to be vulnerable after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not how it works. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Do you have a to-do list that never seems to end? Maybe it's running from a flight straight to a meeting or still having to cook dinner for yourself. Well, now Beta Brand's dress pant yoga pants are perfect for the office, home, and anywhere your day takes you. Beta Brand has the perfect pants to match. Choose from the dozens of colors, patterns, cuts, and styles like the boot cut, straight legs, skinny, cropped, and more. They even have a pair with eight, yes, eight pockets. And now they also offer premium denim with the same flexibility and comfort as yoga pants. Right now, my listeners can get 20% off their first order when you go to betabrand.com slash heygirl. That's 20% off your first order at betabrand.com slash heygirl. Millions of women agree that these are the most comfortable pants you'll ever wear to work. Go to betabrand.com slash heygirl for 20% off. Oh, if that's how the work worked, it would be <laughs> so easy. But I mean, it's it's supposed to teach us and yes. it's supposed to make us really, really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And um, you and I had a conversation not long ago where I was just like not really seeing a f- seeing a, a conversation that a friend and I had eye to eye. Mm-hmm. And you were like, they're just not on the same walk as you right now. And let that be okay. And Mm -hmm. I didn't really think about that until you brought it to my attention. Um, Because I'm like, how can they think that? That is the dumbest (laughs) shit I've ever heard. (laughs) How can they think that? And you're like, Alex, they're allowed to think that. And you're allowed to think what you think. And you're allowed to walk on your path. and, And they're allowed to walk on their path. Right. And... That was hard for me because I was not getting it at all. And you just brought me back like, okay, but it's fine because people are on different paths and that's Mm -hmm. a part of life. And you're allowed to still love that person. You're allowed to still hear them Mm -hmm. and make space for them. Mm -hmm. But you're also allowed not to be walking with them through this right now. And it was and like greeting it from that standpoint said a lot of things in in perspective for me. That's the thing about this work that's so like we're all doing different versions of it because yeah. it's individual. Yeah. And even if you're working with the same person, it's tailored to who you are and your experience. Mm. The truth is definable by what you experience. Mm. So they believe that's the truth and it is truth. Mm. You believe it's the truth, even if you have, you know, more facts that prove that it's not like we could go back and forth about how it's truthful right that's when you get to that point of like i see you and 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 this is this is where i'm going to stay with it yeah um yeah that's that's the the truth thing when when you start doing your work and when you start meeting people who are also doing their work Mm, um it's that (laughs) it's that it's that like wait a second this is my truth this this like what I feel and what I know to be true to me is this. Mm. The person will reflect to you that that is not true to them. Mm. We're not going to sit here and have a truth battle. Right. <laughs> right. What's yours is yours and what's mine is mine. And and it's being able to meet in that place mm. unless it's something uh, completely. You know, off. Right then you love them through that decision. You love them through that space. And you decide, the first thing I go to with that is, co- like, capacity. Can mm. we even talk about this? Mm. Are you inflexible? Yeah. 
And in that case, it's time to move. Right. Right. Because then that's that's another thing. It becomes a leak. It becomes an energy leak when we allow someone. Sometimes people are literally pulling strings at your energy, like Mm -hmm. pulling threads. If you think about a sweater, they're pulling threads to see how far they can get you to unravel Mm -hmm. unconsciously. Mm -hmm. Um, And the more you give of your sleeve, the more opportunity they yeah. have to unravel all of the sweater. Yeah. So and then you have a tank right. top. Then, no, and then you got the thread. <laughs> right. All this yarn and all right. this stuff all over the all place. All over the place. Then it's right. 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 Then your sleeve is gone. Your sweater is a mess. Yeah. Clean yeah. up. Yeah. Clean up. Clean up. The clean up. Um. Now that's real. Mm-hmm. So. You sent me a voice note that I just loved so much. And you were talking about this cup of sugar mm. metaphor. Uh, maybe analogy. You know, mm-hmm. I, I get those mixed up. Um, your cup of sugar mm-hmm. and reciprocity mm. and friendship and connection and what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you came up with 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 that kind of idea of 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 um showing up and reciprocity. Yes, so um anytime you recover, I call it recover cuz recovery means you could lapse. Mm. Um anytime you're recovering from codependent relationships, you have to have a focus on reciprocity in relationship, any relationship mm-hmm. other than child relationships which should always be unequal. Mm-hmm. Um So as I was thinking about um, the relationships that are in my life um, on many different levels, I thought about the fact that, as we talked about earlier, many of them I've painted up to look pretty Mm. and are not actually reciprocal. I'm still giving more than the person can actually give me, Um, even though... In relationship, you're going to have times where people can't give at the time. Mm. That's that's okay. But it's when you're not in a place to be able to give, you have to be able to show up and share mm. that you're not in a place to be able to give. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you and I are, are friends, which we are, but if you <laughs> and I are in a place where I can't give to you and I say, Alex, I understand that it's been about me for like three months. Um, I really just don't have the space right now. But, you know, I thank you for showing up and being there and, uh, you know, when I when it gets better. The acknowledgement mm-hmm. lets you know that I'm aware of the fact that I'm not holding any space for you. Um, usually that allows you to be able to continue to show up for me mm-hmm. because you understand that I am not taking with the thought of not giving anything back. Um, friendship isn't about keeping track of what the works that you're doing in the relationship and neither is it in a romantic relationship for sure. Mm -hmm. And marriage is not, but if you don't do anything in a relationship and someone is doing everything in a relationship, then this is not a relationship. Mm -hmm. I am literally just holding you and you call me, call on me to, to give that to you. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I and I cannot ask the same of you. Mm. That's where I came to the cup, the cup of sugar, and it came to my mind because sugar is messy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought about the people that will come into my life. And if you think about sugar, 
Um, they take, you know, a cup measurer. They take out the sugar without asking, right? So nobody's watching the sugar. They just go to the jar. They take it, and they're taking it. Nobody's ever filling into it. Mm. And if you think about self-care, and this is a lot of things, a lot of times what people do in self-care because they're like, I'm supposed to just love everybody for who they are. Mm. I'm supposed to just be present to everyone. I'm being vulnerable. They were being vulnerable with me. Mm. I should just let them keep doing this. They're finally showing up. And so we think we're doing this thing. Right. Like we're, we're doing the work. We're, we're being present. People are just taking sugar. Nobody's putting anything in. You are going to therapy. Maybe that fills your jar up a cup of the way. You take a bath, two tablespoons. But people are just coming in and taking sugar. It's spraying all over the place. You don't know who's coming in, who's coming out. Mm. And you're never full. Mm. And then oftentimes when we realize we're not full, instead of figuring out how to fill ourselves up, we go through this phase of, well, what did they do with my sugar? Mm. I didn't have any of that cake. I didn't have any of this. I didn't have any of that. So we spend that time in that place trying to figure out where our sugar went. When I think the focus is... My intent behind that metaphor was figuring out how we can fill our jar back up and put ourselves in front of the jar where you have to tell me not only how much you're going to take, how much you need, what you need it for. And then I decide mm. if I have enough to give to you. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter if my jar is full. It's difficult. Yeah. Because people are like, but girl, I saw you in Hawaii last week. Your jar is full. Mm. And, and I need some. Yeah. And you give to the community and you take care of yourself so that you can take care of other people. Right. And I think as you were talking, I was literally imagining like the sugar jar (laughs) being this big mason jar of sugar with, you know, the wide mouth Mm -hmm. and just having a community cup. Come on in. Come on in. Because that's what we're used to. Mm -hmm. When you're a giver. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like this jar is for everybody. Mm-hmm. But then it's like when you really tap into your self-care practice and you have your boundaries set and you have your awareness and your acceptance and your acknowledgement and all the things that come along with not only showing up for others, but showing up for yourself that, OK, no, I'm putting a lock on my sugar jar. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to ask me because yep. that's where you build relationship too. That's yes. that asking and that permission. Permission. Boundaries don't exist without permission. Like if you allow people to come in without your permission, then you don't have a boundary in place. Mm. So even though you've taken all of your energy and contained it in this boundary, the, yeah. the, the jar is the boundary. Yeah. If people can come in and take it without asking you, then it's, then it's a, open. Yeah. And the reason why I chose sugar specifically, and you may relate as a mom, nothing would make me crazier than seeing people go into a sugar jar in the kitchen and spraying sugar and stuff all over. You can feel it. (laughs) (laughs) Those little granules. Right. (laughs) It doesn't matter how much you try to clean it up either. It's there. Yes. So then you're like, I had a great week. Why do I still feel it? That's what it is. Yeah. You know, on the bottom of your feet. Yes. Wow. It's still there. (laughs) Another great thing is sand. If you think of it as sand, Mm -hmm. you can never get it out of a bag. You can Mm -hmm. never get it out. It's it's, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That is y'all need to all take your journals out (laughs) and draw your little sugar jar and (laughs) and do a journaling exercise, because that is what like that's how I envision it. Mm -hmm. Like you saying the jar is the boundary. Mm hmm. 
and the good stuff in it, the, mm-hmm. that, that sweet stuff mm-hmm. that you can use to do so many decadent things is us. Yes. I want to tell you about The Sugar, a new podcast you should check out. I am so excited. It's a really special show for modern women of color. The Sugar is hosted by Tika Sumpner. You might know her as a model or from the hit show Mixtus, which me and my family love, or one of her other movie roles. And her co-host is Ty Randolph, who is an award-winning business exec and one of the heads of Kevin Hart's LOL Network. Every week, Tika and Ty invite women of color to talk about their unique perspective on motherhood, love, friendship, and everything in between. The Sugar is made for and by the modern brown mama. They wanted to make a safe space for all women, moms, moms-to-be, and those undecided to laugh, learn, and love on each other as they navigate life. Listen to The Sugar now in your favorite podcast app and make sure to subscribe and favorite. This is a good thing to remember, too. People coming in to take from you may also be full. Like, Mm. it doesn't mean that only people who need you, because sometimes we're like, well, I'm the strong one. Yeah. Like, I'm the one people come to. I often have to check myself on this. Um, Of course she can have a cup. She needs it. We're We're not designed to give people what they need before we give to ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's just, I mean, I know it. we've been taught that. Yeah, especially as women. Especially as women, um, that we just give because we're better, we're stronger, we're faster, we're more accurate. Um, but we're not only doing ourselves a disservice, we're doing the people we love a disservice mm-hmm. because um, they're learning how to exist without having to fill themselves. Mm. Um Wow. Our kids are watching us do it. Yeah. And they are literally, those are the, if you think about that analogy, those are the things I'm talking about when I say, these are the things, these are the cycles that we have to keep dealing with. This is something I've watched my mom do. I'm not talking about my mom. I'm just saying, Mm -hmm. if you're the kid in this analogy, if you've Mm -hmm. watched your parent do this, if you've watched your sister do this or whoever, somebody from very young, then this is ingrained in, in your being. So... Um, that's the joy of the work is when we're doing it for ourselves. We're we're doing it for our kids. We're doing it for people who are watching us and we don't even realize we're modeling mm. by choosing ourselves. You're modeling mm. choosing yourself. Being a woman of color in the wellness space. First of all, I'm very proud to be a woman of color in the wellness space. I'm very proud to stand beside you in this space and the other few women of color that I know in this space. And we all touch it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just wonder how that works for you, especially because you are doing a lot of your healing work and a lot of your energy work, um, is hands on. Like it's Mm -hmm. like, I do self-care coaching, which is very different from what you do. Mm -hmm. Um, because I just don't have the mental capacity to do what you do. (laughs) I am kudos to you all the way. (laughs) So I just wonder like how that feels for you. Being a woman, being a woman of color in a very white space. Yeah. You know, it's it's very difficult in some ways because this work 
is supposed to be based on who our souls, who we are. Um, so there's two parts to energy work. There's the part that we all are, no matter the color. Mm -hmm. Like we have a soul, we have energy. Our energy does not know necessarily your color. Right. Right. Um, but then when you get into your lineage and all of that, it, you're definitely bringing in the experience of being a black person, mm -hmm. specifically in America mm -hmm. um, and a black woman. And when you do energy work, you bringing in, you know, if you think about the analogy, and I've seen it a lot on social media, your grandmother who carried your mom, your mom already had all of her eggs at that point. So you experience everything mm. that your grandmother has experienced mm. and your mother has experienced and you and then your kids. Mm. And that's how if you think about how energy is transferred, it's transferred from before you even come into this space mm -hmm. before you're born. Um, so. It was always my one of the teachers I had was white um, and it was and not to get into politics, but it was during the time that President Trump was elected mm -hmm. and I was very I was just shocked mm -hmm. like everyone else. Mm -hmm. Well, not everyone, um, <laughs> but I shared this in, yeah. in the course. And this is the thing about white feminism that I do want to touch on mm -hmm. because I at the time expected to be seen because these were women that were quote unquote woke, understood the experience, liberal, Democrat, all of the things that mm -hmm. are supposed to say that you see me as a black woman. Mm -hmm. And I was not seen at all. I mean, um, just outright you know, energy work isn't the space for politics. Energy work isn't oh. the space for you know, uh, to talk about racism. Um, mm. the, the, the teacher of the course actually said to me, if you really want to deal with these issues, create your own course, but not here. Wow. Um, and Wow. Yeah. And luckily I was able to take that experience and realize, okay, you're right. Like, let me start my own space. But also it was like I was getting bludgeoned with wake up, Yasmin. Like, mm. um if you are, and a friend and I were just talking about this, if you are holding space for women and you're calling it intersectional, but there is only one black woman in your class, it is not intersectional. Mm -hmm. That's not your fault, but, and we've talked about this, Yeah, it doesn't feel safe right. when you come into an all-white space and, and share your experiences as a black woman. Right. So, right. Um, for me, I'm honored to have so many black women interested. This is not something that culturally we often do. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something that for sure we need in terms of the healing to be able to process not only what the people before us have been through, but what's still very present mm -hmm. today mm -hmm. um, and still happening. That's that's shocking. No, is it shocking? You know what? It's good that it's still a little bit shocking. Mm. I, I've said that to myself often. Like, it's good that it's still a little bit shocking. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah. Um, it was the kick I needed to be able to start this space because I honestly thought, you know what? I can partner with other women. And I partner with women who are not of color. 
I work with women who are not of color. Mm -hmm. You have to be a woman. See, but now I have a whole interviewing process about, Mm -hmm. okay, you said you've done the work. What level of the work have you done? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. are you are you truly open to being in a space with women of color? Are you truly open to intersectionality? Do you you may never understand physically living the experience of a woman of color. I don't expect you to get that. Right. But do you fully understand what racism is, how it works, white fragility? Like, I need to be able to throw these terms out and you're able to be like, yep, doing it. Yep, I get it. Yep, got it. Mm -hmm, Because mm -hmm. when you're doing energy work, it is unsafe for the people who are present to be having work done on them by someone who's racist and not doing their work. If you're a woman of color and you're thinking about getting into energy work, you are needed because, um, or spiritual teaching, you are needed because, yes, you know, we can be healed and we can learn and we can do work Mm -hmm. with women who aren't of color. But it is a different level and layer of work that you get from working with someone who is living your experience. When it comes to Mm self-care, if you could define it as we wrap up here, what would be your definition of self-care? And maybe we break that up into two parts. Mm -hmm. You individually. Okay. And then you as mom, wife, and family member and friend. How would you differentiate the two and what do they mean in your life? I'm going to start with friend because uh, self-care for me with, with my friends is being able to show up for them and hold space for them in a way, in the way that I also would like it to be held for me. Mm-hmm. When it comes to being a, a mom, self-care is play. <laughs> I mean, I never feel better than when I'm laughing or just being silly with my kids and just being present with them. Mm-hmm. With my husband, it's definitely taking time to be vulnerable and open in a, I want to say teenage way, but like that's when we're watching shows and just, you know, nothing that's happening in the world matters at those times. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. We're just present to each other. Self-care for myself is alone time. That is very rare these (laughs) days. I am an introvert and I need the space to be able to just hear nothing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, no music, no nothing. It's just me. I'm writing. Um, so I try to make time for myself to just be alone and really recharge so that I can show up for everyone that that I want to be present to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good way to end. Thank you so much, Jasmine, for, for being here. Me. Yes, I'm glad. I've been waiting <laughs> to get you in here. For the people who want to connect with you on social media or get in tune or get in touch with you to work with you, how can mm-hmm. they find you? Yes, yeah, so... Uh, Look me up on Instagram at Yasmin Cheyenne, and my website is yasminshyan.com. Do you want to spell it? Yes. Uh, Y-A-S-M-I-N-E-C-H-E-Y-E-N-N-E. All right. Thank you. The Hey Girl Podcast is a member of The District Productive, produced by Paul, Woody Woodhall, and me, Alex L., Music by DC's own Kokai. <laughs>